how would we help Christians to do that? How could we help men and women to grow in the realm of the Holy Spirit and not live by the works of the flesh? Because in Galatians 5, 16 and 17, the Bible says, so I say, live by the Spirit. You will not gratify the sinful nature, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want to do. And this is why the Christians are being told by the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians to ask the Holy Spirit to give you these nine fruit. And as I said, you don't get it and that's it. You have to keep asking for it because God will develop them in you. It's just like a tree continues to produce fruit. This is what will happen here. But tonight we're talking about joy. Last week we got the chance to talk about love. Tonight we talk about joy. And joy is not happiness from happenings. Joy is not pleasure from a good time. Joy is different from all of those. And the one statement I want to give you tonight, and that if that was all I shared with you, I would want you to grasp exactly what joy is. Look at this. Joy is proof. Joy is proof to the world that God can fully satisfy the human heart. Come on, church. That was the weakest golf clap I've ever heard from Christians. You see, it's the human heart that has so much conflict in dealing with life. But when you recognize that God can fully satisfy the human heart, what does that mean? No matter what trials I face, no matter what dilemmas I face, no matter what crisis confronts me, if you have Jesus Christ not only in your heart, but you have a continuous growing relationship with him, he can bring your heart peace even in the midst of turmoil. And this is what the world cannot understand. They can't not understand how a child of God can have joy in the midst of so much pain and heartache. What is wrong with you? What, are you high? No. Well, where are you getting? How come you're not as worried as we are? Yesterday, there was a, an earthquake, and then there was a, a, a minor one after that, and people began to panic. It's the end of the world. You see, it's another sign that's coming. I don't know where that comes from, that it's the end of the world, because we're not there yet. However, children of God, they don't have fear. Amen. Things can make us and try to make us afraid. They can make us worry. They can make us wonder. But children of God can have peace. So we ask the question, what is joyfulness? Joyfulness is providing brightness in the lives of others, regardless of outward conditions. What the world wants to see is that God is real. They don't want a relationship with Jesus Christ, and they're not going to read the Bible, but they're watching you. How many know that's what I'm talking about? They are watching you. How does the Christian react when the COVID pandemic hits? How does the Christian react when COVID's coming back? How does the Christian react when a lot of people haven't come back to church, but you have? It is providing brightness in the lives of others, regardless of outward conditions. Can you do that? That's what you're expected to do. 
2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 in the message says, All praise to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. Watch this. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times, and before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times so we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. So everything, everything that you go through, you think, man, I must have blown it. God is angry at me. God is developing you so you can comfort others because God is not willing that anyone should perish. God wants everyone to come to salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. Everyone. And so he leaves us here. How many notice that when you got saved, he didn't take you to heaven right away? He left you here so he could show his power and his love in you to others who don't know him. But watch this statement. Joy is not the absence of trouble. So get that in your mind. It's the presence of Christ. It's the presence of Christ. So Christians, we have problems. Christians have things that we face. Things go wrong. You get laid off. Uh, maybe some people have their home is caught on fire and they've lost everything. Somebody T-bones you and destroys your car. Things just happen to us because we're in this world. And you, people say, I thought your God was protecting you. Well, God doesn't need to protect us. And secondly, we don't have to defend him. Jesus does not need an attorney. So when they say, where's God when you need him? Ask him. Why are you asking me? I'm not God. Ask Jesus, but you're afraid of Jesus, and you don't want to ask him because that love that he has for all of us is so powerful, you're afraid that if you fall in love with him, you have to give up everything. Well, give up your depression. Give up your anger. Give up your bitterness. Give up your addictions. It's not the absence of trouble. Don't let anyone tell you that once you become a Christian, all your problems are gone. How many know your problems increased once you became a Christian? And you say, like I do, good night in the morning. What the heck happened? But Jesus says, I'm still here with you. I won't leave you and I won't forsake you. But here's some responsibilities attached to joyfulness. Number one, it's refusing to enjoy anything which harms the person or the reputation of another person. What does that mean? It may have happened when you were young or perhaps later in life, Someone helped you to learn this truth. Life is not about you. I know it, bro. I know it, girl. Get over it. Pull the mirrors down in your house. Quit taking your selfies. Life's not about you. Turn to someone and say, he's really talking about you right now. <laughs> because what about me? What's going to happen to me? It's not about you. You died. You came alive to Jesus Christ. You have a future in heaven. This is not your home. Don't be looking for good things here because God doesn't want us to stay here. So someone helped you to learn that life is not about you. It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, than your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God because you and I we're born by his purpose and for his purpose. Give God a hand of praise. So, 
the sooner I accept the fact that things are going to go bad, but I'm not here for me. I'm here for Jesus. I came alive to Jesus. I'm here for God. That's why I'm still on this earth. It's not about me and my little palace and my little limousine and my little face in the lights. It's not about me. It's hard for us, especially in Silicon Valley, to accept the fact that we're just not that important. We think we are because we go for all the athletes and we go for all the movie stars and the beautiful people in this world like the Kardashians, that that's what life's about, but that's not life. Man, it really got quiet in here now. <laughs> what life is, is knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That's what life is. So the second responsibility attached to joyfulness is this. Maintaining a spirit of cheerfulness despite physical limitations. Maybe something's wrong with one of your eyes. Maybe something's wrong with your teeth. Maybe something's wrong with your leg. Maybe you don't feel you look right. Maybe you don't like a round face. You want a heart-shaped face. Maybe you wish you had a thick beard and bigger muscles. You get where I'm going. I'm not going to spend all night getting down to you. Oh, number 16 is about you. <laughs> well, herein lies the challenge that so many of us face. We compare ourselves so frequently with everyone around us. I know Cathedral of Faith people don't do that, but we've heard of others. Why can't I be like that? We feel that everyone else has something to offer and we don't. I wish I could sing like her. I wish I was a professional athlete. I wish I was a CEO like that person. I wish I owned my own company. When God gave you life, he did not create you to be like anyone else. He only made one of you. They talk about doppelgangers that they find your twin from 400 years ago. There was never anyone like you, and there never will be anyone like you. There's only one of you. One. So... God did not make a mistake when he made you. So you have a purpose, and the reason you may not have joy or find yourself frustrated is that you're not where God wants you to be, doing what God wants you to do. And if you're comparing yourself to other people, you're missing the whole point. When God made you the way he made you, with the parents he made you, with the family he put you in, he did not make a mistake. Well, I was supposed to be aborted or I was adopted and these are my parents, that is not a mistake. God has a purpose. When God gave you life, he didn't create you to be like anyone else. Living with a mentality like that robs you of your joy. Yes, you and I have physical limitations, but guess what? So does everyone else. That's why they spend so much money with those that can rearrange their face or rearrange this and that. They just want to be accepted. If God accepts you, what more do you need, church? What more do you need if he accepts you? When people say to me, I don't like you, I say, I don't care. I like me enough for both of us. Goodbye. I'm not doing stuff to be liked. When God tells me he loves me, and I read that in the word every day, I realize 
I don't need others outside approval to be accepted. Well, you need to preach like this guy, or you need to sing like that, or you need to be able to do this. I'm not in competition with anyone. I'm the only one of me that there is or that there ever will be, and that's the way you need to think. You are special all by yourself. Come on, church, give God a hand of praise. Second Corinthians chapter 12 says, and then he told me, my grace is enough, it's all you need. My strength comes it to its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen, and I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. You know who tells you you don't measure up? Satan. And the Bible says in John 8, that he is a liar and the father of lies. There is no truth in him. He tells half-truths. A half-truth is a lie. And Satan does not tell the truth. But the more you keep listening to him and not listening to him, the more you're not going to have joy. And if anyone should have joy, it should be the child of God. It should be you and I, the Christians. Because people look at us and go, why won't you come to church with me? You know why I don't want to come to church with you? Look at you. You go to church, you read the word, you praise and worship God, and you look worse than I do. I don't want to look like you. If you're not angry at work, if you're not frustrated in the home, if you're not cursing or in a bad mood, then I think something's wrong with you. I don't want to be like you. I don't want your God because if that's the best God can do, why should I become a Christian? Why should I go to church? That's not Christianity. How many know what I'm talking about? Do we, church, do we have something to rejoice about? Do we have someone to rejoice about? Do we have something to be glad about? Come on, give God a hand of praise. We do. But how do I get it into your mind? How do I get it into your brain? That it's not about you. It's about Christ. Here's the third reason for having joy. Knowing and being where God intended me to be. Knowing and being where God intended me to be. I'm going to tell you this. I have written this. If you're not where God wants you to be, doing what God wants you to do, then where are you and what are you doing? If you're not where God wants you to be, where are you? If you're not doing what God wants you to do, what are you doing? You're wasting your life. My wife will call me. I'll call her, and I say, okay, I'm leaving work. I'm on my way home. And then she'll call me, and the phone in my car will ring, and I'll go, I tease her. I go, who is it, please? Even though it says her name bigger than life. <laughs> and she goes, where are you? Wives like to have that power, you know. Where are you? And I go, in California. <laughs> where do you think I am? I'm headed home. I know, but where are you? I'll be home in two minutes. Mike, where are you? Why? It's different when God asks you, where are you? Um, I'm in some woman's apartment that I'm not married to. What are you doing? I'm praying for her? I don't think so. <laughs> you may be praying for something else, but you're not praying for her. Everybody say, mm-hmm. Where are you? What are you doing? 
I'm at someone's house and we're gossiping about our pastors or about our church. Mm -hmm. I'm at work in the parking lot. We got off work and I'm expressing how angry I am at my boss. What are you doing? Is that why God created us? When are we going to go beyond that? Watch this. He gave you life and he gave you purpose and then you go off and do your own thing. Then you become frustrated and bored, and it's because you have left the most important ingredient out of your life and out of your focus. Make Jesus the center of your life and get off your throne and put him on the throne. Come on. Well, Jesus is my co-pilot. Jesus will never be a co-pilot to anyone. You're the co-pilot. You give him the steering wheel and get out of the way. Lord, direct my life. You've prayed it. I know you have. Lord, take over my situation. Lord, I give you this situation. You don't give something to God and hang on to it and keep pulling it. You give it to him and leave it alone. John 15, verse 10 and 11 says, If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands, and I remain in his love, I have told you this, why? So that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. It's up to you, bro. Do you want joy? No one can take it from you if God gives it to you. No one. Well, she broke up with me. Well, maybe that was supposed to happen a long time ago. <laughs> When God gives you something, no one can take it from you. But if you're looking for joy in all the wrong places, like the country western song, looking for love in all the wrong places, you're not going to find what you're looking for because it's not there. Look at this statement. Joyfulness is the bright spirit and the radiant countenance that come by being in full fellowship with the Lord. You determine if you are, and you determine if you aren't. I'll tell you something. If you don't sense God's presence in your life, he didn't move. You did. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you till the day the world ends. But when we don't have time for him and we get hooked up on other things, He's in line like everyone else, and he'll let you try all these things, and he just keeps moving up in line because you know as well as I, you're not kids. Sooner or later, just like I had to, had to, you're going to fall on your knees. You're going to lift your hands, and you're going to raise a cry out to him, I need you now. I can't do this any longer. I need you in my heart. Not only be my Lord, but be my Savior, Lord God. Give me your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your joy. Because some of us fall down, and as they say, you fell so far, you have to look up just to see bottom. Some of us have hit that wall, like I have, because there's nowhere else to go. Eventually, you're going to come to Christ. Eventually, you're going to realize, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I don't need all this in my life. I need God, because God wants to give you life. God wants to make you not only happy here, because if he can't do it here, why are we waiting to get to heaven? 
Because in heaven, there's no problems. There's joy beyond our imagination. So we're not waiting for the pie in the sky in the by and by. God, if you're not powerful enough to handle my situation now, why am I waiting to get to heaven? God is real now. God brings heaven to you now. God blesses you now. God turns things around now. You don't have to wait. You can have heaven now. That's what he promised us. Not only will I bring heaven to you, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. And I know I'm driving it home because some of you are giving me a look on your face like, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> At least that's what I'm seeing right now. Either you want Jesus or you don't. But he's so patient with you and I. He knows sooner or later you go, look, I've tried everything. Now I'm going to try your joy. Joy is proof to the world that God can fully satisfy the human heart. It is not luxury. It's not a mere accessory in the Christian life. It is the sign that we are really living in God's wonderful love, and that love satisfies us. I don't need him. I don't need her. I don't need that. I've got Jesus Christ. That's what joy is. It is a component that when added to a trial provides the strength to endure that trial. It is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of Christ. How many want the presence of Christ? Come on, somebody let me know. Because Pastor Mike can't make you have it. I can't force you to do it. Either you want the presence of Christ in your life or you don't. But why suffer? Why go through the hard way? Why, as they say, I came up the rough, rough side of the mountain why? Well, I want to see how long I can be sad before I try to take my life. Why? Why not get to a place where God is with you? You see, it's up to you. Give him your worst situation. Give it to him. Here, take it. Turn this around, and I'll believe you. And watch what he does. Give him the worst you can give him. He's not going to get angry with you. There is no problem that God cannot handle. There is no problem that, oh, I don't know what we're going to do here now. He's there with you. He's been waiting, and he already knows what you're going through, but he wants to give you joy. Don't expect him to take the trial away. Expect him to give you joy and the crown of faithfulness in the midst of the trial so that you learn that trial is nothing. God is everything. What is the evidence of joyfulness? Well, there's three types of smile. I know, I'm joking here, okay? So don't write me a letter. I know for some of you it's hard to smile. But, but go ahead and just try and make a smile for me right now. No, I like being depressed. Well, we'll just, just fake a smile. Everyone smile. Smile. If someone next to you is not smiling, please point at them so I can know. I don't care what you say. I'm not going to smile, okay? Here's the three types of smile. The first one is the obedient smile. What is that? Fulfilling the command to rejoice in all things regardless of how I feel. There's the ministry smile, and this goes for the leaders. 
<laughs> Why'd everybody go, uh oh? <laughs> Here's the ministry smile. Desiring to encourage the ones who have to look at my face. Why does Pastor Mike always have that look on his face? Because they want to see, is your God real? Mm -hmm. Well, I heard you had a quadruple bypass. Mm -hmm. But God's real. God's real. And then there's the joyful smile. Expressing with my soul the joy of my spirit because of the work of God in my life. When people who don't know God see us, do they want our God? You have to think about that. Because if you're having a rough time, think of your friends who don't have God in their life and think about what they're going through. Sometimes people get angry and say, how can you stand there and smile when you know how bad it is? Well, no matter how bad it gets, my God is more powerful than that. And I have his presence in my life, and that's what I want you to have. God's presence, not Pastor Mike's suggestions, God's presence. I didn't condemn anyone tonight. I didn't say you have to stop this and stop that and start this. That's not what this is about. It's about realizing that God has not forsaken me and he's not gonna forsake you. But it's about time you look like you wanna be with him. You look like you wanna get to heaven. No matter what happens on this earth, heaven is not gonna be taken away from you either. You're not gonna lose out. God did not invest everything he had. He didn't send an angel to die for us. He sent the very best. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And you know what kept him on the cross? He saw your face. I want that person, that one person I created, I want them to be with me forever, he told his father. And I'll stay on this cross. Six hours, 360 degrees, one minute for every degree of the whole entire world. 360 minutes he hung on that cross so he could complete, and he said to his father, it's finished. He died on the cross for you and I. He rose from the dead for you and I. He's coming back for you and I. He's gonna have us with him in heaven, you and I. Come on, how much better can it get? I had lunch yesterday with a gentleman who doesn't really believe that you're once you're saved, that you're always gonna be saved. And I said to him, if you look at this verse, first of all, in Ephesians, it says, for by grace are you saved, and it is by faith. It's not of works. No one's gonna be able to boast when you get into heaven like, I got in on my own power, no one. And then I said, Paul says, I am shocked that you have so soon left him for another gospel, a gospel that you gotta work for all of this. He said him, and this is gonna shock you because it shocked me when I read it. 
the cross and Jesus hanging on that cross is not what saves us. I read that and I pushed back from the commentary and I said, I don't understand. I kept reading and then he explained himself. Otherwise, people would think that the most important thing about salvation was that wooden cross. It's not. It was the one who was on that cross. It was him, church. He died for us. He shed his blood. Come on, you understand what I'm saying? He rose from the dead. I am shocked that you're so soon leaving him for another gospel. Either you believe God loves you or you don't. And if you don't, I've done what I can do to help you. And I would love for you to have that fruit of the Spirit, love, and then the second fruit of the Spirit, joy, which we learned about tonight. And next week will be the third one, peace. If you get just those first three, love, joy, and peace, your entire life will change. You. You think, no, I got to go to this seminar for a positive mental attitude. I don't think so. Well, you think I got to start drinking Kamchatka so that I'm really, really healthy. I don't think so. Well, I got to have my cup of coffee. Whatever, bro. What you got to have is Jesus Christ in the center of your life. So that... When the Holy Spirit calls you and you say hello, and the Holy Spirit says, where are you? And what are you doing? That you're gonna be able to tell him the right thing. If you don't know where you're at and you don't know what you're doing, then may God help you. Heavenly Father, these who have heard me tonight, these who listen to the words that you gave me, and they recognize how important it is to be a Christian and to serve the living God. May they be filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit, and may they know that you care about every single one of them. You're not asking them to change. You're just asking them to let Jesus be real in their life. And this is what I'm looking for, for you to have that peace and that joy. Can life actually be better than what it is for me right now? Yes, it can. It can be a lot better because God really cares about you. I didn't even know he knew me. He knows everything about you. And doesn't the Bible say even the very head hairs on your head are numbered. He knows about you. I love you, church. Good night, and God bless you.